welcome to Heaping Spoonful, a twice-monthly conversation with restaurateurs, chefs, growers, and others who have helped generate the legends associated with eateries across the Mid-South. The team at Benny Keith is proud to sponsor this adventure with the goal of preserving the stories that have helped cultivate an amazing food scene across the Mid-South. So kick back and enjoy a heaping spoonful. Greetings, everybody out there in podcast land, and welcome to Heaping Spoonful. I'm your host, Kelly Bass, and I really appreciate Benny Key Foods giving me the chance to visit with many of the top chefs and restaurateurs across the Mid-South on these podcasts. My first job out of college more than 40 years ago was as a features reporter for the Arkansas Gazette in Little Rock, Arkansas. And reviewing restaurants was part of my beat. Uh, Even after I got out of the newspaper business, I continued to write dining reviews on a freelance basis for a couple of uh, Little Rock magazines and another Little Rock newspaper. And then almost three years ago, Benny Keith gave me the chance to host Heaping Spoonful. I learned that I like talking about food, restaurants, and the people who make them great much more than writing about all that. So welcome to Heaping Spoonful. Our guest today, Tommy Schaefer. He's the executive chef at Rogue's Manor, which is one of the very best places to dine in the resort town of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And that is saying a lot because this is a foodie town for sure. So welcome, Tommy. Welcome. Thank you. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Well, I'll tell our listeners, this is the 67th episode of Heaping Spoonful. And after doing the first 65, either at our studio at Benny Keith in North Little Rock or by phone, with chefs and restaurateurs who don't live north, near North Little Rock, and during the height of COVID when nobody was going anywhere, we are recording three episodes right here at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs. And Tommy, the Crescent is a place you are very familiar with. So you were executive chef here for, what did you say, six years? Yeah, it was about six years before I went down to Rhodes. Yeah. Was that your first job as an executive chef? Uh, just tell us about your background in terms of education and just kind of work history. Oh, I mean, I just started off uh, like most teenagers do, fast food. Yeah. Last I was good at it. Um, some friends of my family owned a restaurant in Green Forest and needed some help. And went in one day, it was supposed to be the dishwasher. The cook was like, hey, here's how you cook eggs. I'm going to get a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> uh, about six hours later, he came back was like, how do you do? And the owner was like, well, you're his dishwasher now. So. Oh, right. That fateful pack of cigs. What kind of restaurant was was that restaurant? It was just like your typical mom and pop, breakfast, lunch, dinner on the weekends. Um, 17 years old, I was in charge, scheduling, you know. So you pretty much then uh, learned, learned on-the-job training. Everything I've learned is on the job or YouTube. Yeah. This YouTube is a great thing to learn things that you don't know. Yeah, how to make a certain thing. So that's that's interesting. Well, obviously you've done it well because you would not be executive chef at the Crescent. You would not be executive chef at Rogues if you weren't good at it. How long have you been at and we're by the way, for people hopefully you're listening to this for decades to come. We're recording this in um, of mid June of twenty twenty two. So how long have you been at Rogues? Uh it was a year ago in February. Okay. So you came in in Feb of 2021, which yes. we're still, was, I mean, not that we're completely out of COVID, but I guess, were there any restrictions still going on or were you all pretty much operating at regular capacity by then when um, you got there? Pretty much regular capacity, you know, still wearing masks. Right. Part, but that went away right after that, so. And was that just an opportunity that uh, the folks at Rogues knew, knew your work and said, hey, you want to come down here and do it here? I mean, that's kind of how it worked, you know. I mean, I'm a chef. I'm look for new adventures and try new things. And I'd been chef here at the Crescent for 
quite some time and just it was about ready for a change and sure it, it worked out yeah well it's like i said it's a really interesting place so i'm really intrigued by your menu and we're going to talk about some of the items here in a little bit did you inherit it kind of as is or have you tweaked it in your in your year plus there i mean i inherited it as is um my boss is really free i can show him like hey i think this will be better and he'll go it's better let's change it you know so kind of tweaking things around changing it up yeah, so you have some freedom to, you know, just say, hey, this is a, this is how I think we ought to do it. Exactly, and like I said, just show it to them. You know, you know how bosses are, they want to see results, not... Yeah, exactly, right. If, you know, if, if you make it this way and it sells well, then let's keep making it that way, for sure. So we're going to, uh, as I said, talk our heaping spoonful of listeners through several of the menu highlights in a few minutes, but first... Tell us what it's like uh, working to differentiate your restaurant because there's a lot of really good ones in Eureka Springs. Are you just focusing on quality or variety? or I mean, what do you do to try to make people go, Rogues is where I need to eat? I mean, a little bit of both. you got to have variety. Um, as we go through this list, you'll notice we have some things from different areas of the world that change it up, like our duck is an Asian theme. I mm-hmm. mean, we try to do good steaks every meal, try to send out the best we can and make everyone happy. Yeah, and, it's a, and again, we'll talk more about... Um, about the location because it's it's unique into itself. Um, so really, only a little more than two thousand people live in Eureka Springs. And I, I once read years ago that on a per capita basis, this town has more bed and breakfasts than any place in the U.S. And by the way, San Francisco was second. It's got to be up there on great restaurants per capita. But with a small base of locals, I'm guessing that the bulk of your crowd, particularly this time of year, are, are visitors to Eureka Springs. I mean, most of it is. Visitors and tourists coming in. I mean, we do have a solid following of locals to help us get through this slow season. I mean, because there is definitely, um, definitely a slow season. And so, I guess as the weather goes, so go resorts towns. Talk, talk, our listeners. And are you from around here? I mean, I grew up about eleven miles east of here. Oh, that must be Berryville. Uh, it is Berryville. Yeah, that's most I, people don't know that. Oh, I do, but I'm from here. But I, I'm a, the guy that most people from Little Rock are going to go up Highway 65 to Harrison and hang a left. Some people go to the Pig Trail, which is Highway 23 at Ozark, and go up. I like to go to Clarksville and go up 21, and then 21 hits right into Berryville. But uh, 21 is a nice mix for me of, uh, yeah, there's some turns and twists, but not like the Pig Trail, but it's not so trafficy and so town-ridden. as. The, anyway, that's neither here nor there at that point. But I know Berryville. Let's put it that way. Um, so talk about the ebb and flow. I mean, when, when, when is it? slow when does it start getting busy and do you all adjust your hours and days based on on that what what's kind of the flow across a year for eureka springs well we try to be consistent open five to nine for dinner um all but monday and tuesday that gives us two days off which is really nice y'all do that year round year round okay i mean of course snow days stuff like that that's close but other than that i mean we try to be as consistent as possible okay so you don't you don't you don't shut down in january or some of the times that other people some cuz some places around here do right oh several of them do and i mean that helps us keep going through those january and february months cuz like oh you're the only place open so. and and locals are just like hey we know we know the food's good that's cool too so um like many places in Eureka Springs, the history of Rogue's Manor goes back um, to the 1800s. That's actually the 1870s, which is interesting. It must be a specialty of yours since the Crescent opened in 1886. So what was, for so many years, a large, stately, and um, simply beautiful single-family home in 1981 became a restaurant, and it's been Rogue's Manor since 1993. So next year, it'll be celebrating 30 years. Does the setting in the old house, I mean, does that... 
Does that add to the dining experience? I mean, just the setting there? I think it does. Um, it also adds into some issues because it wasn't set up like a commercial kitchen, so you have to improvise. Um, you know, there's step-ups, but it gives it an intimacy that really makes it feel almost like a home, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I guess just like we were talking about the need to continue to put money into the Crescent to keep it, I mean, you got, you're in an 1870s house. I guess there's, there's you know, maintenance and things that you just got to make sure you're doing. But so the kitchen, obviously you can work out of it. You've been doing it and it's been being done, but it's not, if you were building one from scratch, that's not necessarily the way you'd build a kitchen. No, not at all. It would be a little bit more open, a little more of a flow, but I mean, I got a good crew. We work together. We do that. We do the dance very well in the yeah. small space. So, about how many folks are back there working with you when you're y'all are cranking it out? Um, so I've got uh, like a garbage does appetizers and desserts. Um, I've got one other cook in the kitchen with me, a dishwasher, and then I have a floater that wherever he's needed, if he needs to help. And garbage if he needs to help over in our kitchen, if he needs to help with dishes. I mean, just does whatever needs doing. And then you just have a pass, and somebody's the wait, wait staff's working the pass and just taking stuff to exactly. the tables. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's cool. And there's something pretty magical. I don't know. I'm, I was in the newspaper business, and you know, it, it it builds a crescendo, and then it's deadline, and you got the paper out, and everybody kind of takes a deep breath and either high fives or cries, depending on how the night went. It's kind of the same way in a kitchen like that, right? I mean, it's a it's a it's a high energy setting when you're really cooking and literally cooking. And uh, then when it's when it's done, it's like, whew, man, we, we rocked it. Yeah, once that last round of entrees goes out, no matter what, you can, like you said, take that deep breath and go, we made it through. And then it's like, oh, crap, now we got to clean up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's funny. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're going to take a short break uh, here on Se- Heaping Spoonful. We'll be back in just a bit with Tommy Schaefer, who's executive chef at Rogue's Manor, one of the top fine dining choices in the resort town of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Heaping Spoonful. We at Benny Keith Foods enjoy talking about the food scene almost as much as we enjoy providing the top quality ingredients that help restaurateurs and chefs across the Mid-South create their magic. Now let's dive even deeper into the culinary world with your host, Kelly Bass. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to Heaping Spoonful, our continuing conversation with Tommy Schaefer. So now let's get to the menu. Um, from the get-go, it's clear that oysters are a big part of what you do. Um, the very first choice on the appetizer menu is oyster shooters. Uh, I guess that's your alternative to serving them on the half shell. Is that a single oyster in a cocktail glass with uh, in a shot glass with a cocktail sauce, or how, how is that presented? That's exactly how it is. I mean, on the half shell is nice, but then you got to shuck them yourself, and due to space and things like that, it just made sense to. To go the shooter route? Yeah, and I mean, it's a little bit better. It makes you feel almost like a kid again, you know, taking yeah. a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. how I take it. Um, yeah, and then you also served them pan-fried, which sounds great. And then I like the play on words, Rogafella, which is your take on oysters Rockefeller. Or is it the same recipe, or is, is Rogafella a little different than the classic Rockefeller? I mean, it's a play on it. it definitely is. Uh, it's on the half shell with some spinach and some other sauces and some cheese on it. You know, yeah. I'm not going to give it everything away. You yeah, no, don't do that. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you order oysters in almost any restaurant or all restaurants in Arkansas, you get Gulf oysters, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But you serve fresh oysters from the Pacific Northwest. Um, tell our listeners the difference in those two and, and how you guys have chosen to go the route of, of those. Well, I mean, that's one of those things I inherited, but— 
Gulf oysters, you know, just like Gulf shrimp, are a little briny or a little saltier, and the texture is a little bit different. Um, the cold water, just like cold water lobster, any mm-hmm. cold water is going to be sweeter and just tastes better, in my opinion. Are they kind of the, about the same size, or I mean, I guess oysters vary in size. Are they similarly sized to to Gulfs? I mean, we serve a medium. Mm-hmm. Which is about sixteen to twenty per pound. So I mean, it, we serve some pretty good size oysters. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Well, I, I mentioned uh, that we're going to come by there. I'm thinking maybe some oysters in my future when we uh, show up for a cocktail here a little bit later this afternoon. So, come on, I'll get your reservation waiting for you. Uh, that's cool. Um, sticking with the seafood theme, but in a very different way, is um, a Rogues Manor classic, the curried seafood chowder, which the menu notes was created and only served there. By a woman whose name may have been Lisa, but it may have been something different. I think it's Lisa. Yeah. Um, but you, again, that was before my time there. Right. Okay. Well, so what? Tell tell us what's what's the curried seafood chowder like? What 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 all's in it? And is curry the predominant flavor? Uh, it's a red curry. Uh, it's a red curry. Okay. It's got tomatoes and um, onions. You know, all the good all the good stuff. And then we hit it with some salmon, um, some bay scallops, and some shrimp. Wow. Finish it off with a little cream and. It's, it's super popular. That's why it's an appetizer and an entree. So. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like that. I, I, I swear I could make multiple meals from just your appetizers, and there's nothing on there that I don't want. So, chiapino, it's a classic soup, but you don't find it. T- tell people how about that soup. What What is it, and how is it made? Well, I mean, it's a play on a typical chiapino, you know, Italian seafood stew from San Francisco. I mean, why not have it here? We look like little San Francisco. That's here. true, definitely. And uh, you know, it's tomato based. We stew our, our fish in it, and same thing. It's salmon and scallops and shrimp in it, and comes with our bread. Which yeah, is a, good for dipping. Oh, it's yeah. great for dipping. <laughs> yeah, we do a blend of uh, Bavarian rye, wheat, and sourdough in that. So, oh, that sounds cool. So y'all make that good. And then tell us about potted montrachet. Well, I mean, it's your typical goat cheese. We do um, marinated artichokes in it. We whip those in with sun-dried tomatoes and Kalamata olives. It comes with some toast points. and That sounds like a good one, too, for sure. And and you, you also smoke, smoke and season your own salmon. Yes, we cold smoke our salmon right there in the kitchen uh, about once a week, get some fresh salmon in, uh, let it brine and glaze it, smoke it. Man, that sounds good. I like cold smoked salmon is one of my favorite ways to have it for sure. And then I, you know, applaud you. I mean, that's you. You could you could buy some smoked salmon and just throw it on a plate, but you guys choose to do it yourself. That's a commitment to excellence and going that extra step. And it's better. I mean, the less steps involved from the, you know. Yeah, from the from the beginning product of the salmon into what you serve. And so I guess based on all we've talked about, there's no real choice for me except get the appetizer platter, which uh, the team's the the Montrachet, the smoked salmon, the classic shrimp cocktail, and it comes in portions for for two two to four. Um, I'm sure that's also a popular choice. It's definitely one of the most popular ones, um, especially if you're at a table. I believe you're bringing six to us tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's enough that each person can try a little bit of everything. And yeah. Well, that, that does sound great. And and then there's something to be said for your classic shrimp cocktail. Just, I mean, plain and simple, but but nothing much better than a nice, plump, cool shrimp. Oh, I agree. And, you know, it's got cocktail sauce, lemons. We serve some crackers with it, extra horseradish if you like that. I mean, Just go to town. That's true. Another differentiator on the Rogue's menu is walleye, which you bread, season, and pan fry. And to me, there's no better fish than walleye. Is that... 
I, I mean, I always think of that as kind of a fancy fish. Is that pretty easy to get, and has it been featured a long time at Rogue's Manor? I mean, once again, I can only base that I've been there a year, um, and we've had it the whole time. And, yeah, freshwater fish, walleye is the best. Yeah, I love it. I, there's a, Maybe sea bass would be up there in all fish, but, yeah, the walleye is definitely great. Nice golden brown, comes with our homemade tartar sauce that we do in-house. Cool. I mean— yeah, that sounds good. And um, I'm also intrigued by the seafood ca- uh, casserole, which I like the fact you all give kind of a, a star treatment to the house specials and um, the seafood casserole, which you obviously, again, with the chipino and other things, you, you, you're you doing a lot of mixing and matching of seafood. What's the, what's the seafood casserole? What's in that one? All right, so it's salmon and scallops and shrimp because— Just like the others, right? Yeah. Um, but it's topped with a Bernays sauce. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of Swiss cheese. We pop that in the oven until it's nice and golden brown. And oh, that sounds good. Uh, definitely a big seller there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You Bernays and cheese. I'd, I'd probably eat cardboard with uh, underneath that, but I don't have to with the the good fish and that you're putting in there and the shrimp and all that. That sounds great. So um, let's talk about duck, which uh, like again, like a lot of your entrees, and you said is available in an appetizer portion. T- talk again about the duck and how you do it. Well, the duck is. Um, poached and once again it's an asian sauce so i can't give too much away right um so we poach that till it's about medium rare um one breast for an appetizer and that'll come with toast points or two breasts for um an entree uh we take the skin off and turn it into cracklets so it's kind of oh that sounds good yeah nice little play on that rather than leaving the skin on yeah exactly and and good and crunchy and tasty that it's nice and got a nice orange and ginger flavor to it and that, is, that does sound great. Um, so the hits just keep on coming because you got such a, again, such a, we mentioned earlier, a diverse, diverse menu to, to suit so many tastes. A taste. So you've got asabuco, which is the, you do the traditional lamb treatment, and also pork. you got steaks. You do filet, New York strip, bone, bone-in ribeye. And the don't, cla- forget, don't forget our tomahawk. That's oh the tomahawk. Yes, we have a tomahawk. It's not on our menu. It's okay, I didn't know about that feature. Yeah, which um, is just a big old. What what cut is the tomahawk? It's a ribeye. It's a ribeye. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Flintstones because it got the big bone. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but it's a forty to forty four ounce. Wow. We cold smoke it first, and then grill it to order. Oh man, God, I'm sure that's that's popular too. And then. Again, just like you, you got a lot of classics. I mean, the, the oysters is a classic to me, um, and the shrimp cocktail is a classic, and the steak and lobster tail combo. I mean, that's just again surfing the ultimate surf and the ultimate turf. And then you got rack of lamb. I mean, you're you're killing me with that. So, t- talk a little bit about your steaks, a little bit about your asabuco, and a little bit about uh, your rack of lamb. Well, rack of lamb's classically done, um, just seasoned up, seared, finished the oven. Prefer medium rare. Yes. Um, comes with a uh, Merlot sauce, which is just caramelized onions, Merlot, and some demi-gloss. Just cook it down a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. super good. Um, the pork shake is one of my favorite things on it, the Osabuco. Right. Um, and it comes with like a spicy plum sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, get that Asian feel in there. Uh, our lamb shanks are three-hour braised and then served with the braising sauce because it thickens up. I mean, yeah, well, you got, I mean, that, that's, that's classic. And, and not to, uh, to denigrate by any means, because um, there's some people who have different tastes. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm all over the apps and I'm all over the, those meat choices we just talked about, but you have chicken, you've got pasta, you got vegetarian options, you got fettuccine Alfredo, um, you know, a classic favorite. Um, and, and are there, 
again, we've talked a little bit about some of the things that are most popular. I mean, do you do you sell a lot of steaks and a lot of um, of the of the lamb or the pork shanks? Or is that some of your bigger sellers? I we always sell steaks, of course. Yeah, um, and then it kind of depends. It's so funny because one week we won't sell like a pork tenderloin, and then it'll the next week we'll sell thirty of them in a night. I mean, it's like. <laughs> Crowds travel together. Right. So you never know what they're going to want. You just got to make sure you have it. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I see on the menu that you have what are called specialty desserts. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm already stuffed just thinking about all this great food. So what, what are some of the desserts that you generally serve? Well, we have a creme brulee, which is my personal favorite. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic. Is it a vanilla or a chocolate? Or it's how? a vanilla. Vanilla, yeah. Um, we also have a bread pudding. Mm, good which, stuff. It's pretty good. It's got pecans and raisins, just your classical. Uh, we have a cheesecake that's phenomenal. Right. Uh, you can get chocolate sauce on it or blackberry sauce on it if you'd like, uh, and caramel sauce on it as well. Mm-hmm. And then we have a flourless chocolate cake. Oh, yeah, I know those. And it's kind of like a brownie, and it's just so decadent. And so we've got the yeah, nice. option there. Those are rich. Yeah, I might need a little ice cream on top of that for sure. Um, and I also appreciate your commitment to fine drinks. I, I was just looking, and, and like I said, we're going to come check out the bar here later this afternoon, early evening. Just don't want to make people think I'm a total day drinker. Um, you have more than 100 bottle of wine choices. You've got 50 types of scotch, which I b- is— I believe so. They don't that's what the, the kitchen. That's what the website's saying. Uh, yeah. They don't let me out of the kitchen very much. That's a little above my yeah, right. knowledge level. Um, but, yeah, I mean, because we— have wine coolers sitting well, around, and I'm sure with um, all that good red meat, you know, some people are going to want a big red wine to go with it. So and we do have those. I mean, we yeah. bottle or by the glass. And- well, it sounds great. Well, I mean, again, congrats for being at one of the. I mean, you you worked at one of the greatest places, and you went to one of the greatest places, and uh, I look forward to checking it out. And uh, I really thank you for being my guest today on Heaping Spoonful. So, uh, Tommy, continued good luck. With all you're doing to keep Rogue's Manor a must-go dining destination, Eureka Springs, and appreciate your commitment to staying open so there's always something good for somebody to come eat no matter when they're in Eureka Springs. And I want to thank everybody that's listening to Heaping Spoonful today. We post new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. So keep an eye and an ear out for those and go back and check out ones you might miss. So thanks, everybody, and have a great rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Heaping Spoonful. On behalf of all of us at Benny Keith Foods, Mid-South Division, please know how much we love connecting you with the legends of the culinary scene and their unique stories. I look forward to the next time we can offer you another Heaping Spoonful. Spoonful.